Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to ACRAC. I'm Jed Walpaw, and this is the 200th episode of ACRAC. It's been five years and 200 episodes since I started, and it has been quite a ride. And I thought that for the 200th episode, I would respond to some commonly asked, or I guess really a commonly asked audience question, which is, what are my favorite episodes or most memorable episodes over the past five years. And so to commemorate this landmark episode, I'm going to go back through a little tour from episode one all the way up through this current episode 200 and just talk about some of the highlights along the way. Now, first, let me say that I'm definitely not going to talk about all 200, and there will be plenty of episodes I will skip over that were still wonderful and that those guests were fantastic. I don't want anyone to feel slighted in any way. But what I'm going to try to do is just highlight for you some of what I really think of as the key moments, key episodes that have really stuck out for me. Before I start, let me just say that I am incredibly grateful to all of you for being listeners, many of you from the beginning, for all of the wonderful comments, emails that have come in over the years from all over the world. It has really been an incredible pleasure to get to read those, to communicate with many of you, and to know how much this has really impacted many people out there. It is absolutely fantastic. It's a ton of work, but it's that kind of stuff that makes it all worthwhile. All right. So let's go back to 2016. Uh, It was April, I think, of 2016. So, you know, very close to exactly five years ago when I started this whole thing. And, And many of you know the story, but I had no idea what I was doing. I had always kind of thought of this, having started off in emergency medicine and listening to MRAP. I had always thought, man, we need something like this in anesthesiology, but you know, didn't know what I was doing, had thought about trying it, but just didn't know how to do it. And I had finally finished residency. I was a couple years into attending. I was getting more and more involved in the residency program here. And I thought to myself, you know, this would really be so valuable. And then the program director at the time, my predecessor, came to me and said, you know, hey, do you know about any audio resources? Our residents keeps asking for more audio resources. And I thought, all right, well, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. I should make this happen. Of course, the problem was I had no idea how to make it happen. But I thought, you know what, I'm sure I can figure out how to record myself doing something. And so I just took a talk that I was giving anyway in person on the properties and laws of volatile anesthetics. And I figured out how to record it on my computer. Now, I had no, nothing in the way of microphone. It was just me and my laptop. I opened up GarageBand after, and and this was no small thing. It took me quite a while to read and watch on YouTube how to even make GarageBand work. Not that it's complicated. I just have no technical ability whatsoever, but 
I figured it out and I opened up GarageBand, I pushed record and I just started talking. And the if you go back and listen to that first episode, the sound quality is horrendous. I did not have a microphone. I was just talking. Uh, but I, I got it recorded. I didn't know what to do with it. So what I did is I turned it into an MP3 and I just emailed it out to my residents at the time. And I said, you know, here you go. If you're interested, uh, feel free to listen. And some of them came back to me and said, you know, this is fantastic. You need to put this online. You, need to make, you should make this available, like on iTunes. And I had no idea how to do that, but got some really wonderful help from some of the residents and figured out how to do it, how to make a website, how to put that website online, how to get things recorded and uploaded into the Internet. And that was the birth of ACRAC. It since has undergone some changes, new website, different uh, logo. Uh, that logo, we had a whole logo contest and uh, chose a winner and, and really is very nice, much nicer than what had come initially from me playing around on Photoshop. So uh, it's gone through a lot of changes. We've even got a team of really wonderful folks now who are helping out. And I think the show notes have been incredible. Brian Park has done an amazing job with those, even making them interactive. Uh, and the rest of the team, um, April and Kimia, have also done an incredible job. So it's just been a great journey. Let's go through some of the episodes. So uh, I talked about the first one uh, and how that <laughs> that was quite an adventure. Uh, the fourth episode, I'm pretty sure I'm right here that it's the fourth one that somehow managed to be recorded in such a way that it only plays in one ear when you listen to it on earphones. And I still to this day don't know how that happened. And I still get emails of people saying, you know, I think something's wrong with episode four. <laughs> I can only hear it on one ear. And I say, yeah, it's definitely true. And I have no idea how to fix it. And it will probably never get fixed. But it, it may just be one of those classic ACRAC blunders uh, that will always live on. So that's episode four. Um, the episode six was um, uh, the paraglossal approach to intubation. And that was really significant because it's probably one of the most commonly cited by my own residents. They will bring it up. They want to try the paraglossal approach. And I just remember being so taken aback when I learned this as a resident. And I think I tell the story on that episode, but I was in the OR with an attending from uh, either Australia or New Zealand. And he said, you know, and I was a CA3. And he said, you know, do you want to do the paraglossal approach with the Miller? And I said, the what? And he said, yeah, the paraglossal approach. And I couldn't believe there was an approach to intubation that I had never heard of. And I was a CA3. And yet here it was. So he told me what it was. I tried it. I really loved it. And then now, of course, I did an episode on it and I teach it to residents and people really like it. I think it's a nice approach and something to have in your back pocket. And I love that it was this thing that I just had never heard of. And it just goes to show you that you should never assume you know a lot. You should always assume there's stuff out there, even within your own field of, of expertise that you don't know about and, and be looking for it because how fun to have learned this new thing. All right. Episode 11 was one of my personal favorite topics, hyperoxia. And I, I love this for a, a variety of reasons, but most significantly because I love things where we do think we do something because it's how it's always been done. And yet it's not what the evidence would suggest is the best way to do it. And, and for me, hyperoxia is just one of the real examples of this. We kind of have for a long time in medicine thought of oxygen as just 
a totally benign intervention that has only upsides and no downsides, with the exception of newborns, where clearly high levels of oxygen can be harmful. But for adults, it was just thought of, I mean, not long ago, when I was in medical school, the idea of putting a nasal cannula on people was just, there were, no one ever brought up a downside of that. And certainly, for example, if somebody came into the ED with cardiac ischemia or any concern for cardiac ischemia, no matter what they were, they could be satting 100%. And one of the first things you were taught to do was put oxygen on, give them oxygen. And I also love this because it makes so much sense when we think about it, right? Oh, their heart doesn't have enough oxygen, so we should give them some more. It's just so logical. And yet it's totally wrong. And that's what I love. I love examples where we are so wrong about things we think we're so right about. And this is one. So I, I loved this. I love talking about it. I talk about it when I'm in the ICU and, you know, we'll have a patient on the vent. They're on 40% oxygen and their PO2 is 180. And, you know, everyone thinks they don't think twice about it, right? They look at the ABG, they read the ABG and they say, great ABG. And I say, well, there's one real problem with that ABG, right? And everyone's looking and they're like, well, wait, is it, it's 737. Is he thinking that's too acidotic? Why is he saying there's a problem with it? And of course, I'm talking about the hyperoxia. And so we get people down to 30%, then 25%, then 21% if they're still not hypoxic. Now, I want to be very clear because there have, of course, been some a variety of trials that have come out recently comparing a PO2 goal of like 60 to a goal of more like 80 to 90 and have found either no difference or maybe even a little harm at the lower level. But I have no problem with that. I've never thought we should be targeting hypoxia. I just think we should be avoiding hyperoxia. So a goal of 80 to 100 makes total sense to me. And honestly, I don't think anybody's going to be harmed if they get to 105, 110, pregnant women who are hyperventilating as part of the natural hyperventilation of pregnancy, because they're blowing off more CO2, can, of course, have a little bit higher PO2, 105-ish, and that's totally fine. So I think that's fine. But when we start getting into the levels of 130, 140, and higher, that, I think, can be detrimental, and we should target bringing that down. So anyway, I love that it's just iconoclastic. It's against what everyone has been taught for so long. And we really, it's one of those things we need to change uh, that we can't just think, hey, why not give some oxygen? And then episode 12, of course, was uh, fun because it was the first time I had a guest on the show, Dr. David Mintz, one of our just really wonderful neuro faculty members here. Uh, who came on to talk about air embolism, and uh, that was the first time it wasn't just me talking, and it's super fun to have uh, a guest on the show, which of course became a regular part of the show ever since. Let's jump to episode 24, The Evils of Sodium Bicarbonate. So again, two reasons I love this episode. One, uh, this is another one of those examples that people just think that bicarb is good, that if someone's got an acidosis, you should give them bicarb, and the more the better. And uh, it is, again, one of those examples of a time when if it's a pure lactic acidosis, that's a big problem. Not only is it not a good idea, it's a harmful idea. There are acidoses where it's totally appropriate to give bicarb, and I revisited this in a later episode with the Bicar ICU trial to talk about how with people who have concomitant kidney injury and lactic acidosis, it might actually be fine. But a pure lactic acidosis, definitely a big mistake. And so I love, again, pushing those boundaries of what we think is right when in fact it is not. But the other funny thing about this episode 
is that it is by far the most spammed episode. I think because of the word evil in there, it was before I got a really good spam filter, I would get just dozens of comments every day from these bots who were seeing the word evil and, and latching on and trying to do all kinds of comments with redirections to all kinds of crazy websites. So that is just another example of my naivete when it comes to these things. Uh, let's jump to episode 31, Massive Transfusion with Dr. Stephen Freiberg. Loved it. He was a resident at the time, and it was the first time a trainee came on the show and was really fun. He did a fantastic job, and as listeners will know, Stephen has come back to do multiple episodes when he was a fellow and now as an attending. So really fun to have some of our own folks do that. We've had others like Marius Fastbinder, uh, and it's been really uh, a pleasure. Episode 34, Oral Board Prep with Dr. Tina Tran and Dr. Steve Beaudry. That was really fun to do a board prep episode and, of course, was the first one of those we've done. We've done a few more since, and those have been really some of the most popular episodes. People frequently write and say they really appreciate those, that they've helped them prepare for their boards, and, of course, ask for more. We haven't done more yet, but maybe at some point in the future we will. Let's jump to episode 43, Maternal Physiology with Dr. Mike Hofkamp. This was the first non-Hopkins guest that came on the show. So it was very easy for me here at Hopkins to interview some of our own folks. But it was the first time someone from outside Hopkins came on the show and really loved getting to know Mike through that. He, of course, is a Hopkins alum. So you might say, all right, well, maybe that doesn't fully count as non-Hopkins. But he's not at Hopkins now and wasn't when we interviewed, uh, when we did that interview. At the time, and that was well pre-COVID, it was actually a totally new thing to not have somebody sit in my office and do the recording with a microphone in front of them. So had to figure out how to do that, too, which was interesting. And now, of course, it's just become normal to use Zoom for this. But at the time, it was uh, not very typical, and I had to figure that out. So that was kind of fun. All right. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's jump to episode 49, High Reliability with Dr. Peter Pronovost. I loved this episode because it was a, a little bit of a departure. Obviously, we weren't talking about something strictly clinical. And it was also really interesting, a concept I didn't know much about, but that when I learned about it from Peter, it was just so fascinating and, and really so applicable, right? This idea that something like an aircraft carrier, how they're able to land planes on that thing in the middle of the ocean so safely, so reliably, and just repeat it again and again, and how they do that by really engaging with everybody on the ground. How do people think that it can be done safer? What can they do to make it safer, make it easier to do? I love that as a concept. I give talks where I talk about, you know, we should use that same mindset to think about how we redesign residency as we think about the changing nature of training in our country, in our system. We should think about how can we make it easier to learn? How can we make it smoother? How can we make it safer? 
that's so key. And I think we have a lot we can learn from high reliability organizations like aircraft carriers and others. So it was really fun for me to learn that from Peter. Episode 50 was a, our first debate. It was CSE versus Epidural, and that was Dr. Mike Hofkamp and Dr. Jacqueline Galvin who were having that debate. It was really fun, a new format, and uh, really interesting to think about that. And, of course, uh, having had uh, experiences uh, with my wife getting a CSE for our first uh, child, which worked incredibly well, and then a just regular epidural for the second, which didn't work so well, uh, we're big fans of the CSE. So that was a fun debate. Let's jump to episode 56, Bugs and Drugs with Rachel Kruer. Rachel, unfortunately, isn't here anymore. She was a pharmacist here. And uh, what I loved about this episode was, first, how useful it is. I mean, just, you know, how how awesome. And, and Rachel was our first non-physician guest, which was really fun, especially because it's so key. What you learn, and you wouldn't necessarily know this from outside of medicine, but when you're in it, is how crucial the care team is, right? How we're, we're really part of a team and how it's so wonderful to work with all these professionals in different areas. I just, on days when we don't have a pharmacist rounding with us in the ICU, I feel that loss. We really rely on them, and, and we are blessed to have unbelievable pharmacists here. Rachel, of course, was one of them, and now she's doing her amazing work somewhere else. But uh, the folks who we have now are also amazing, and it's really, really just fantastic to have that team and have everybody pitching in. Let's jump to episode 65, Time Management. So, you know, I really love this, and I've gotten a lot of great feedback from all of you about it, because I think it's it was a branch into talking about life skills, but it's so crucial to be able to manage your time. I'm always amazed at, at when I see people who don't seem to have any system for managing their time, and, and you see how stressful life can be and how difficult it is for them to take on new things because they just don't have a good organizational system, or how things get dropped, right? People will you know, commit to something and then just not do it or drop it, not because they have, don't have the intention to do it, because they don't have a good system for organization. And so I've gotten a lot of great feedback on this about people who really appreciate a, a proposed system that they can use or adapt their own to, to do this. And that's been really fun. Episode 78 was a very different one, the Obesity Code book review. And, you know, this is fascinating for a few reasons. One, it was fun to do a book review, just something different. It's probably the most viewed and downloaded episode of all of the 200. Mostly, I think, because it's so applicable outside of medicine. Most of our episodes are really only applicable to folks in medicine and even more so in anesthesia and critical care. But this one was a, a, a book that was written for the lay public. And so a lot of people listened who aren't in medicine at all. And uh, I really loved it. And then the other thing was that book really changed my life in a lot of ways. I had never heard of intermittent fasting before reading that book and was so intrigued by it that I started doing it and have, have never stopped. And it's really been uh, something I've learned a lot about that I've come to believe is really an important piece of living a really healthy life and uh, and love it. So I, I, if you haven't listened to that one, or if you, certainly if you haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. Episode 80 was a really interesting one, Lessons from the Military with Jonathan Curley. Uh, he was a resident at the time, um, and now, of course, is finished. But you know, one of the really fun things, first of all, he was a, a just incredible guest who had served in the military and, and had learned just really powerful lessons from his time there. And he talked about some of the 
uh, folks he had fought with who had died, who he had lost, and some of the things he learned from their sacrifice. So that was really powerful. One of the really fascinating things about it also was that afterwards I got an email from someone who had listened to the episode who was the brother of one of the people that John had talked about serving with who had died. And the, the person who wrote me had been trying to get a hold of John to figure out where he was and how to get a hold of him and, so that he could talk to him about his brother for a long time and had never been able to. And then when he heard the episode, he wrote to me and I was able to put him in touch with John. So that was really a neat connection to be able to make. Episode 89 was veterinary anesthesia with uh, Bonnie Gatson. And that was just a blast. I didn't really know much, if anything, about veterinary anesthesia. And it was so fun to talk to Bonnie and learn about what they do. And it just shows you that the world of anesthesia is bigger and broader than you would imagine. And that was really a fun conversation. Episode 92 was early mobility in the PICU with Dr. Sapna Kuchatkar. Sapna is just amazing. And the work she's done with the Pick You Up program here in our PICU has been incredible. It's spread around the world. And again, here is another example of pushing those boundaries of what we think is possible or what we think is best or how we've always done things. Sapna takes kids who previously would have never been up out of bed, and she's gotten that to just be the the default is that, of course, they should get out of bed and they do better, of course. But again, until somebody comes along like Sapna willing to push those boundaries, we just assume, oh, no, of course, that kid can't get out of bed. So I loved that. Episode 94, Organ Donation with Clint Burns. Clint's such an amazing guy who, of course, told his own story about how he had a liver transplant himself and then came back, became a nurse, got very involved for a long time with running the uh, organ transplant program and is now back to being a nurse. But Clint is just a wonderful guy, and that story is so compelling. And then I loved how he helped reframe that idea of rather than think of it being a sacrifice to kind of give up the organs of a family member who's died of of telling the story of family members who have found it to be such a gift that they can make meaning even from this tragedy of having lost a loved one they can save lives and have that be the legacy of their loved one and that was really wonderful uh, i really appreciated clint telling telling us that and helping us see things that way Episode 102, Life Lessons with Dan Lowenstein. Dan is such an incredible person and has been a mentor of mine since I met him, actually the summer before I started medical school, and then became a really close friend and mentor as I during my medical school and residency time at UCSF. And, you know, I, I was such a, an honor to have someone who's so important to me and such a mentor to me come on the show. And then also just, you know, what we talked about in terms of these life lessons that Dan has developed. He's such a deep thinker, such a, uh, a spiritual person, and the way he thinks about life and, and how doctors can be well and bring their humanity to work and protect their humanity and help it thrive. I think those are just such important lessons, and it was really, really nice to get to talk to Dan. Let's go to episode 118. It was called Mother's Day, and this was really nice. I had Jillian Isaac, uh, one of my colleagues, who's been, of course, on the show many times, come on, and we talked about how hard it can be. Jillian did it, and, and of course, many other women who, who have babies during their training, and how incredibly challenging that is. And it just reminded me, and thinking back on this, how 
I just am in awe of of women who do this, who who have children while they're residents, and um, it's just an incredible feat. And we really should be doing everything we can to help support them. I will say also that it made me think of my own mother who did this uh, back long before duty hours. She had had another career first, and she then went back to medical school. So she started medical school when I was four, and my next brother was two. And then when she was finishing medical school and starting residency, she had another baby. So then she had an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a newborn as she was starting residency, which is just amazing. And my father was a a full-time practicing physician. So, you know, uh, between the two of them, how they survived that, I I don't know. But it's just, uh, you know, incredible that my mother was able to do it and that the the many mothers that we are lucky to have in our program are able to do it and mothers all over. Um, So that was a, a special episode. Episode 119, the Stop It trial with Dr. Rob Sawyer, was super fun to talk about that trial. And again, I love that here's a surgeon saying that this trial shows you should stop antibiotics after four days after source control, even if the white count is still up, even if they're still febrile, even if they don't look all the way better. And, uh, of course, if you think you don't have source control, that's different. But if, you, if you're if you sure you do, you do four days and stop. And, again, this is so against what we tend to do and certainly what we did before this trial came out. And it's still a little bit of a push to get people to do what the trial showed. And I, I love that, again, that, that just pushing against tradition, learning that what we have always done is actually probably not right. There's so many examples of that in medicine. And I really admire the folks out there pushing for that stuff. Episode 122, Keywords Part 1 with Jillian Isaac. So this was the first of what has become, of course, a long-standing series of keyword episodes where we take a couple of ABA keywords, and Jillian just does an incredible job of putting together some multiple-choice questions, and we go through them pretty quickly, and she highlights the key points and tells you how often they've come up on prior ITE exams. I just think for folks who are studying for boards, this, these are really high-yield episodes, and Jillian does an amazing job. Episode 133 was Introducing the Depth of Anesthesia podcast. This was so fun because I was just so excited about this new podcast in anesthesiology that David Howe does out of MGH. And, of course, since then, they have continued to do amazing work. I love their their work. I love the episodes they've done. I listen to every single one. And it's really fun to think back to uh, launching that uh, along with them here on the ACRAC feed and uh, look forward to continuing to hear what they do moving forward. Then, of course, the next episode, 134, was how to podcast. And it was actually pretty fun because we flipped the script. I was put in the hot seat, and Dr. Dave Berman interviewed me about how to podcast and about the, the article we'd published on how to podcast. And it was really fun to kind of be in the hot seat and instead of being the host to be the interviewee. But also, you know, what I realized is, like with Depth of Anesthesia, there's just so much room for new podcasts in anesthesiology. When you think about emergency medicine and how many subspecialty podcasts there are, how many people are doing really fun things in the podcast space, that, I think, is going to be the future of anesthesiology. We just need people to pick up those reins and run with it, and I think we will start to see that. So that was a lot of fun. Episode 135, A Case for Low-Dose Norepi. Again, here's another example where you, you talk about how safe it is, how efficacious it can be 
to run low-dose norepi rather than give a ton of fluid. We had a wonderful Grand Rounds talk here from Dr. Justin Sachs, a plastic surgeon who does free flaps, who came and talked about how he knows and has seen clinically and knows that the evidence supports the safety of pressors and free flaps. And yet again, you still have all the time flap surgeons saying no pressors under any circumstance. So this is such a great example of another time where we need to push against those boundaries and do what the evidence suggests, not what the practice has been just because it is what it has always been. Episodes 144 and 145 were uh, first the anesthesiologist surgeon relationship with Dr. Jeff Cooper and then uh, personalized PEEP with Dr. Janine Wiener Cronish. Those were both live from ASA and was really fun. They were the first, so to speak, live interviews, live episodes that were done kind of on the road and uh, were, were really a lot of fun. Of course, also both amazing guests and amazing talks. It's interesting that uh, the following year, this past year at, at ASA, we were supposed to do a truly live podcast, broadcast live. And of course, because of COVID, we couldn't do it. But we will still be doing that at some point in the future. So we'll let you know. Stay tuned. Let's jump to episode 155, Opioid-Free Anesthesia with Mike Manning. Again, another example of pushing the usual practice to think, you know, do we really need as much opioid as we usually use? Can we reduce it or get rid of it? Now, there is some controversy recently about true opioid-free anesthesia, whether that's a good idea to get rid of it completely, but certainly not just by default giving a ton, thinking about how we can reduce it and do opioid-reduced, if not opioid-free anesthesia, is great, and I loved Mike's take on that. Episode 157, Intermittent Fasting with Mark Matson was really great. Again, just the idea and the science behind intermittent fasting, I absolutely love. Episode 163, Thoracic Wall Blocks with Barbara Versick. This was my first international guest, and that was fun. And, of course, Barbara did an amazing job talking about thoracic wall blocks. I was like, it's just really interesting how different things can be done in different countries and, and how much we have to learn from each other. Episode 165, really COVID with Dr. Scott Serrata and Nakodi was really a, a, just, a, of course, a seminal episode. At the time, COVID was raging in Italy. And to hear from Dr. Serrata and especially Dr. Nakodi, who was on the ground dealing with this just raging new disease that we didn't know a lot about, it was powerful, it was touching, it was really interesting, and it was scary. We just didn't know what was going on. And now to think back on all of that that's now been more than a year and everything that's happened with COVID, and that was the first of several COVID episodes we did, but that was really uh, a striking one that will always stick out in my memory. Episode 177 was How to Be a Star Resident. This is one of the most common questions I get. I get trainees from all over the world, um, and certainly in this country, writing to ask this, and that's what led to doing this episode. And I think, you know, so often... We don't tell people, right? People don't know. So it's not that people come in and they don't want to do what it takes to be great. It's that it's not that transparent. It's not that clear. And so I, I'm really glad we did this so that people could have an idea. And I reached out to different program directors to get their thoughts. So this wasn't just me saying what I think. And I think it's really helpful and have gotten great feedback from a lot of you out there that this was really helpful for you to hear, oh, this is what to do if I want to be the best resident I can be. So that was a lot of fun. Episode 179 was ambulating while intubated with Callie Dayton. And again, love it. Right here is kind of the 
adult companion episode to Dr. Sapna Kuchadkar's episode about getting people up, getting patients up in the PICU. And here's an adult ICU. This is a walking ICU. This is an ICU where Cali works, where they get people out of bed and walking with tubes in all the time. And again, that's just not something that, you know, not that long ago, it just was not even on the radar screen. And now some ICUs like Cali's are doing it so, so well. And I think we all have a lot to learn from them. Episode 187. Peep for Robotic Surgery with Dr. Gabe Tharp from University of Vermont. I loved Gabe's uh, article in anesthesiology and this idea. And even though Gabe was very clear, you know, we we can't use that infographic that was published along with the article just as like a plug and play. But still... I think what this really shows is that we need to be thinking harder about PEEP. The idea that we just put everybody on five a PEEP and and think we're doing our job, it's not that simple. We probably underdose PEEP in almost everybody, and certainly with obese patients having laparoscopic, robotic, Trendelenburg surgery, five a PEEP is almost definitely just massively too low. And so I just love that again, pushing those boundaries, asking those questions, and uh, and that was fantastic. And then lastly, I'll call out episode one ninety one. So pre op assessment for ambulatory surgery with Dr. Bobby Schweitzer. Again, man, was this just like a, such a fun interview. First of all, Dr. Schweitzer is awesome, but also the the just pushing the boundaries right like the idea that she advocates we might maybe we shouldn't even be checking blood pressure in the pre-op area that whatever that blood pressure is is not really useful that's such a change from what we normally think or the idea that the potassium may not be whatever the potassium is in pre-op may not be a, a cause to cancel surgery unless it's really extreme or the glucose all of these things that we get so worked up about but not because it's evidence-based. And Dr. Schweitzer has really just done an incredible job of highlighting some of those things and, and advocating that we think carefully and differently about a lot of what we do in the pre-op arena. Absolutely loved it. So that's my little trip through the past 200 episodes of ACRAC over five years. I, I will say again what I said up front, which is that it has been a huge amount of time and work, and I wouldn't change a thing. It was worth every minute, both because it's fun and I learn a lot, but more than anything because of all of the wonderful emails and comments that have come in over the years from just dozens of countries around the world, people talking about what the show has meant to them, what they are learning, how it has helped them, what they appreciate, what they'd like to see, what kind of episodes they want to see more of. Just so fun to open my email every day and and see listeners from around the world getting in touch. So I couldn't be more grateful to all of you for being those listeners, for taking the time to send those emails, and it's really just been a pleasure. I am grateful to have had the opportunity to host this show and to continue to host it uh, moving forward, and can't wait to see what the next five years and the next 200 episodes will bring. Thank you so much to all of you for being listeners, and it has been a wonderful journey that is still continuing. All right, that is it for episode 200 and for today for the five-year-old ACRAC podcast. I'm Jed Wolpaw. 
Thanks for listening. Remember, what you're doing out there every day is really important and valued. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.